Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, in 1555, Dr. Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. And on the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort to him. But Ridley declined the offer from his brother, and he said these words. He said, Brother, I intend, God willing, to go to bed to sleep as quietly tonight as I ever did. You see, because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of the Lord to meet his need, even in the face of death. I realize you may not be going through something like that, but what I do know is sometimes it can feel like it. Maybe you're trying to find peace about a decision that you need to make. Maybe you're here this morning and you're worried about how the Lord is going to provide for your kids to go to school. Maybe you're anxious because you need a car or transportation. Maybe you're worried about your health. It could be that you're worried about your marriage or some here today. Maybe you're struggling and and anxious about their spouse's salvation. Sometimes we struggle and are worried about our children's wayward hearts. Still, we're concerned and anxious about will we get the coronavirus. I'm a little anxious about what's happening in Cuba. We're here this morning and we just simply need peace of mind. We need a peace that truly passes all understanding. This is rhetorical in nature, but feel free to answer out loud if you want. But do you need peace today? Do you want that kind of peace? So I guess the question is, is is that peace even possible, right? We're worried about and anxious about many things this morning, but Jesus has promised us that we can have a supernatural peace. How do we have that? Well, thanks for asking. Because our text this morning is going to give us two more ways that we can have peace of mind. We covered three a couple of weeks ago. We'll find two more today. So I'm going to be in the book of Philippians. If you want to go ahead and turn there, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 is what we'll read. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, man, we want to help you with that. There's some Bibles in the seat pockets there in front of you. You can take one of those. If you don't want to take that one, we have more in the back. Please see us. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. But what we want to do right now is we want to stand because we want to revere and reverence the Word of God. So I want you to stand with me as we read from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. The Bible says these words, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, because the Lord is what, church? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And when you do that, here verse 7 says, and the peace of God. The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, and we look to you for peace today. I pray that through the reading and through the preaching of your word, you would establish peace in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago, right? You guys remember that, right? The first thing we learned was, is I can have peace of mind by rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. Paul said there, hey, rejoice. Again, I say it always, rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is, uh, is near. In other words, he's with us and will never leave us. And simply because he is with us, he is the Prince of Peace. And when he shows up, he brings peace with him. Therefore, I can rejoice and have peace of mind by just rejoicing in his presence. Secondly, we saw that I could have peace of mind by relying on the power of God. Paul tells us to pray about everything and don't worry about anything. Prayer is the power of God. I can have that kind of peace when I pray. Thirdly, we, we talked about that I could have peace of mind by reminiscing on the provision of the Lord. Paul said to pray about everything, right? But he said to do so with thanksgiving. And we know that as we go to the Lord in prayer, thanking him for all that he has done, it reminds us of his faithfulness, that he's been faithful yesterday, he will be faithful today, and he will always be faithful till the end of the age. There's no turning back from God's faithfulness, and that can bring us peace. If you want to know more about those kind of things, please go back and listen to that message. But this morning, I want to bring you two more things that will help us have peace of mind. Here's number four. I can have peace of mind by resting in the peace of the Lord. I can have peace of mind by resting in the peace of the Lord. As I rejoice in his presence, thanking him, and call to mind his, his faithfulness to provide and pray, the Bible says that something happens. The Bible says, when I do those things, that I am guarded by God's peace. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, you have to remember, was in a prison, right? He was guarded night and day, and he knew something about that word guard. When Paul was in prison, he was most likely guarded with Roman guards day and night. He was a very important prisoner, but when Paul looked around and he saw those soldiers guarding him, he probably said something in his mind like this, well, I've got something better guarding me than you. I've got the peace of God that's guarding me. What is the peace that he had, though? It's the peace of God. It's definitely not the peace of circumstances. The peace of God here can refer to the serenity in which God himself lives. As one person said, Paul, Paul seems here to be referring to the tranquility of God's own eternal being, the peace that God himself has, the calm serenity that characterizes God's very nature and that grateful, trusting Christians are welcome to share. He says, this is the peace of God. This is God's peace. Peace. 
Jesus said that we could have that peace when he promised us in John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. I don't give that to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. Be anxious and nothing. The peace, this peace is God's very own peace. It guards the hearts and minds of the believer. Here's a very interesting thing, though, and this should give you hope. When we're worried and we're anxious and our minds and our hearts are all over the place, this peace is given no matter what the answers to prayer are. So sometimes he says there, be anxious and worried about nothing and pray about everything. And when we pray, sometimes we don't get the answers we want, but we can always get God's peace. Such a great, precious promise. This peace comes and guards my my heart. It, It enters into my heart and it calms that inner part of me. It enters into my mind and begins to guard and protect the things that I think. The raging emotions and multitude of thoughts succumb. They all just kind of rest in the presence and peace of God. Hawthorne, one commentator, said, God's peace, like a garrison of soldiers, will keep guard over your thoughts and feelings so that they'll be as safe against the assaults of worry and fear as any fortress. This peace of God is the opposite of anxiety and worry. God himself is not beset with anxieties, and he knows no worries. He knows the end from the beginning and will direct all things in accordance with his will. And when we trust God in prayer, God gives us his peace to guard our thoughts and to guard our hearts and our minds against worry and anxiety. It's just like a soldier guarding a prisoner. Nothing can get in and nothing can get out. This peace of God protects what I allow into my heart and what I allow out of my heart. It it protects what I allow into my mind and what I allow out of my mind. This peace, though, is not just a guarding peace. It has something else amazing about it. Did you see it in verse 7? It's not just a guarding peace, but look there. It's also a surpassing peace. This peace surpasses all comprehension. This peace is something that the human mind can't comprehend. This, This peace is better than anything human planning could ever result in. This is a peace that happens to you when you should be freaking out. You're just absolutely in control because this peace just can't be explained. And this peace is only possible because of Jesus Christ. Did you see it there in verse 7? It's possible for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He is peace. When that peace comes, there's nothing that can take it away or overcome it. It's because you and I are in Jesus, thus we can rest in this guarding and surpassing peace. I like what John Phillips had to say here. John Phillips said this. He said, what can disturb God's peace? <laughs> Could something happen in a remote part of the galaxy? Could it happen to disturb his peace? Of course not. He is omnipresent, always on the spot. Nothing can take place behind God's back. He is right there no matter where all the time. Could some diabolical thought of Satan disturb God's peace? Could some mystery, some obscure idea, some crafty twist of error, or some plot hats in an admitted soul of Lucifer thwart God's beneficent purposes? Of course not. God is omniscient. He knows all the wiles of the devil, and in his infallible wisdom, he has anticipated and annulled every single one of them. Satan's deep counsels are just so much gibberish to God. However clever and sophisticated they may seem, God is still in control. Could could the gates of hell disturb God's peace? 
course not. He's omnipotent. He can command galaxies and create atoms. He can toss stars into place and hold satellites whirling at an inconceivable velocities on their orbits. There's no physical, moral, or spiritual power that he does not rule with consummate skill and tireless ease. Not in heaven or earth or in hell. Not now, not ever can anything disturb God's peace. Nothing can ruffle the peace of God. It's a calm beyond the storms, a rest beyond all strife, a haven beyond all tempestuous seas. The peace of God is majestic and sublime. The unfathomable peace of God who controls the universe and pursues a faultless purpose is the peace that Paul is saying that you and I can have today. It's God's peace, and he offers it to those who are in Jesus. Between Paul and threatening circumstances, there's a garrison. God's peace had him in custody. A great river of peace was thrown like a moat around the citadel of Paul's soul. That's the kind of peace that you and I can rest in. You see, you have to listen very carefully, beloved. The biblical peace that we're talking about is not the absence of problems. Biblical peace is not the absence of concern or worry. Biblical peace is the presence of Jesus. See, you don't keep this peace. This peace keeps you. You can't get this peace from a bottle. You can't get this peace from a drug. You can't get this peace from a pill. You can't get this peace from a counselor, a friend, or anyone or anything else. This is the peace of God, and it only comes from the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, and you and I can rest in that peace. See, in some old castles, if you look around, you'll see there's from very deep wells inside those castles, and they're meant to supply water to the, to the soldiers in time of siege. An aqueduct bringing water from without will be at the mercy of the enemy. <laughs> but the foe has no power over the well that's inside. You see, the peace the world seeks to depend on depends on their surroundings, and in time of trouble, it's usually poisoned or even cut off. But the peace of God is a spring on the inside, and the enemy in the world can't touch this peace. Amen. It's in Christ Jesus, and you and I can rest in that peace. You remember the Lord Jesus when he was in a storm, and his disciples said, hey, there's a storm. Don't you care about us? What Jesus get up and do? This is paraphrase, and I'm not trying to be irreverent. It's just as closest to the Greek that I can find. But Jesus told the wind and the waves, he said, sit down and shut up. And they obeyed because the prince of peace brings peace. And you and I can rest in that peace. I can rest. I can have this peace of mind by resting in the peace of God. Then lastly and very quickly, I can have peace of mind by reflecting on the purpose of God. By reflecting on the purpose of God, verses 8 and 9 tell us this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, if it's pure, lovely, good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And then he says, the things you've learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, beloved, when I do what God wants, I have his peace. He wants us to think right so that we can do right. And when we do right, we have his peace. 
Paul gives us a list of things. He says, to dwell on these things. Now, that is the word logizomai. You're saying, well, that's impressive. Well, maybe you would recognize it better by the word that you and I know, logarithm. In other words, just as it takes intense thought to work out a mathematical problem, we're to put that kind of intense effort into what you and I think about every day. The word means to to ponder without ceasing. He says to dwell on these things. Paul is saying we need to be continually thinking about the right things and not allow any negative input into our minds. Just as the peace of God guards our hearts and minds, so we should guard our hearts and minds with the principles of God. Hughes says it this way, thinking as we ought demands the discipline of refusal. If we're going to have peace of mind, we have to make sure nothing worldly gets a piece of our mind. We have to control our thoughts. And I know some of you may be thinking, how can I control my thoughts? I mean, you don't understand. I can't stop thinking about the things that are worrying me, causing me anxiety, or even the things that cause me to sin. Listen to me. Here's what Paul is teaching, and here's what I would say to you today. The good news is that you don't have to stop thinking about those things as much as you just have to start thinking about other things. Let me show you. uh, Let me help you with what I mean by this. I want everybody in the room to think about a pink elephant. Just think about a pink elephant. So let me ask you, are you thinking about a pink elephant? Somebody's going to say no, but now you're thinking about not thinking about a pink elephant. The point is, is I can just start thinking something else. That's how I stop thinking about other things. I have that control in Jesus Christ to allow my mind to think on the things of God. I don't have to stop thinking about things so much as I just need to start thinking about the right things. If we're thinking about what we should, we won't be thinking about what we shouldn't. And if I don't think about it, I'm not going to do it. Amen. So what are we to think about? Well, I borrow some things from my hero, Dr. Adrian Rogers here. He said it better than any could say it, so I'll just use his material. Dr. Rogers said this. He said, think about things that are reliable. Paul says, whatever is true. Now, Paul's not talking about the facts here. He's talking about truth. Is what I'm thinking true? Can I take this thought to the bank and cash it in? Can I rely on this thought. If it's not true, then don't let it come into my thought life and continuously dwell there. Don't let it sink into my heart or into your mind. Don't let it be a part of what you tell yourself or tell others. Think about things that are reliable. But then Paul says, think about things that are respectable. He says, whatever is honorable. Don't let dishonorable things get into your mind. Think about things that are worthy of your respect. How do I do that? Well, I don't necessarily just stop thinking about dishonorable things. I just start thinking about honorable things. Think about things that are right, he also says. Whatever is right. This means whatever is just. This literally means that which is straight, not crooked. So I have to put everything that I'm allowing into my mind up to the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with that, if what I'm thinking is crooked or off from this in any way, then I shouldn't be thinking about it. I should replace that thought with one of these thoughts. Amen. Think things that are right. Then think about things that are reverent. Think about things that are reverent. He says, whatever is pure. 
This literally means something that's free of contamination. As I did some study this week, I I found out that what it was used for is they would say, is this animal or is this object, is it good enough and is it pure enough to be used in the worship of God? Can this thought be offered to God as worship? That is, is this thought, is this activity, is it something that will cause me to think some things? Is it cause me to think anything that I would be ashamed to offer to my God? In other words, Lord, can I even worship you with this thought? Think things that are reverent and think about things that are relational. Think about things that are relational, whatever is lovely. Paul says, let me explain this a little. The word lovely doesn't mean beautiful. It literally means causing you to love. Said differently, this word lovely is a combination of two words, and actually it's two words. It means toward love, toward love. So in other words, I could say it this way, does this thought move me toward love? Does this thought move me toward loving relationships? Is what I'm thinking or what I'm dwelling on causing me to move toward loving someone? If there's something that comes into my mind that causes me to criticize unjustly or brings unjust division between human beings, then I can't allow that into my mind. I must think about things that are relational. And then Paul says, think think about things that are refining. He says things that are of good repute in verse 8. This means things that are high-toned. In other words, don't let your ears or your mind become a garbage can. Don't listen to gossip because it will cause you to think about that gossip. Don't let your mind or ears entertain things that are not of good repute, that don't have a good reputation. Paul then says in summary fashion, think about things that are excellent or that are worthy of praise. My thought life ought to be put on the things that are worthy to praise God with. Amen. He says dwell though. Continually think on these things. You don't have to think on anything you don't want to think on. Can I just tell you that? You do not have to think about anything you don't want to think about. Because you are in Christ Jesus and you have the power to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. You have that power in you. Again, you cannot control your thought life by keeping your mind in neutral. You ever been talking to somebody, hey, what you thinking about? Nothing. That is not true. We're always thinking about something, but we can't just keep our thought life in neutral as a believer. Because I'm going to think something, and if I'm not thinking something right, I'll be thinking something wrong. If I'm not thinking something good, I'll be thinking something bad. So Paul says, continually put your mind on the things of God, as I've stated before. Paul wants us to understand the key to having peace of mind is thinking the right things, not necessarily just trying to stop thinking about bad, sinful, worry, or anxiety-producing things. The key is to think about the right things. And these things are what he's just listed. In other words, Paul says it elsewhere in Romans 12, 21. And he says this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isaiah 26, 3 says something incredible. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. In other words, the Bible promises me that I will be kept in perfect peace if my mind is stayed on him. Well, can I tell you something incredible? 
That's exactly what Paul has just done. You, you may not have seen it, but can I tell you, Paul is telling us just to think upon Jesus because he's just described him. Did you see it? Can you tell me anyone that is more true than Jesus? Jesus said, I am the truth. Whatever is more honorable. Can you think of anything more honorable than Jesus Christ, the one that is right and righteous all the time? He's the purest of pure, the most lovely of all. He is the best repute, the most excellent and very worthy of praise. And so Paul says, hey, just keep your mind stayed on Jesus and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. As John Phillips says, if, if Christ Jesus was brought, who brought the peace of God down to earth, it's, it's him and him alone. Heralding his birth across the Judean hills, the heavenly host said, glory to God in the highest, and if you know it, say it, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. That imperturbable peace hushed the storm-tossed sea of Galilee and gave rest to the tormented soul of the Gadarene demoniac. That peace remained unshaken by conflict, criticism, crisis, and the cross. At all times and in all places and under all circumstances, Jesus Christ is peace. Christ reposed in his Father's good and acceptable perfect will. And when Jesus appeared in the upper room on resurrection evening, his greeting to the disciples was what? Peace. And through Jesus Christ was the secret of Paul's own peace in his soul. God's peace was established in him by the indwelling Christ. Paul experienced the peace of God because Christ lived his life in Paul. Christ would have us live this life with him as well. Satan would like to take your minds and your hearts by storm, but God offers you a garrison of peace to stand against all attacks. This is the purpose of God, that we keep our minds stayed on the Lord Jesus. You know, Deacon used to pray every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night at this prayer meeting, he would always conclude his prayer this way. And Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. The cobwebs were those things that ought not to have been there, but had gathered during the week. Well, it got too much for one fellow in the prayer meeting, and he heard that old deacon pray that one too many times. So he stood up as soon as the deacon said that and clear out the cobwebs of my mind, and this man jumps to his feet, and he says, Lord, 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 don't do it. Don't do it, God. Just kill the stinking spider. <laughs> That's what needs to happen, right? You see, you and I just have to keep cobwebs out, the way we do that is we just kill the spider. We just take every thought and take it captive and make it obedient to that of Jesus. Paul says there in verse 9, then he says, these things you've learned and received and heard in me, practice these things. Now, did you notice something? Here's, here's a change. You need to pick it up. Now, it's just not the peace of God, but now he says the God of peace will be with you. It's interesting. He says, you've, you, you've seen this. You've been taught this by me. And now you have to do it. One commentator says it this way. He says, noble thoughts are of little value unless they be translated into deeds. Living surpasses learning. Practices outshines priority. Living supersedes learning. Here's the amazing promise of God. When you and I are worried and anxious and we pray, we get the peace of God to help us in our situation. 
And then when we begin to think about the right things, we get the God of peace to take us through our situation. Did you see that? So you can have the peace of God in whatever you're going through. But then you get the God of peace to take you through whatever you're going through. So you get the peace of God himself and the very presence of God himself. Paul said, hey, I'm here in prison, but so is Jesus. So let me help you this morning, church. As I've looked at the Bible and studied, here's just a principle that I think is true. And I'm okay if somebody can show me where this is really not true, but as a principle, I think it stands. Jesus usually doesn't show up to get people out of trouble. Jesus usually shows up to get into trouble with people. What I mean by that is, is Jesus enters into your situations of trouble and he helps get you to the other side. Jesus is not here to just get us out of suffering. Jesus enters into our suffering and will take us to where he intends us to be. So I don't have to have my mind in pieces. I can have peace of mind. I can have peace of mind by rejoicing in the presence of the Lord, relying on the power of the Lord, remembering the provisions of the Lord, resting in the peace of the Lord, and reflecting on the purpose of the Lord. Jimmy, you and the team can come. I wonder, do I have any bowlers in the room? Anybody ever been bowling in here? I've got maybe four or five. We used to have a bowling alley here in the Grange, I think somebody told me. And that would have been awesome. Man, there's something about bowling. It's, it's an interesting thing. I've been guilty of this myself, but you ever notice what happens to people when they go bowling? I mean, you think about it. They get this ball in their hand, and then they, they do a little funny thing with their feet. Right? They get st- set, and they know how many sp- steps it's going to take to get there. There's a little line there that you can't go over, and you've got to let the ball go before you get to that line. And they, they, they do this, and they, they get there, and then they do this, and they let that ball go. And when they do, the craziest things start to happen. I mean, have you ever seen it? it it's like this. You know, it's like... Yeah, you ever seen them? Are they like... Get, get over there. Come on, come on, baby. Come on. Woo, come on. And they just start talking and acting like, like they're going to control something that happens to that ball. Beloved, can I just tell you that what I think the Lord wants us to know about all these things in life is, is we get up and we just do our best to serve and worship the Lord and we just got to let it go. Because all the worrying and all the anxiety that we put in trying to change the direction of that ball are all vain attempts. The Bible says something incredibly important. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's coming from a Psalm 55, verse 22, that says this, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. So I don't know what you're worried about. I don't know what you're anxious about, but can I tell you this? It's time for us 
as believers in Jesus, just, just let the ball go and just cast it upon the Lord because he cares for us. Would you stand with me? Today, I wonder, what do you need to let go and just let God? I mean, what do you need to pray about? This, this altar is going to be open for you to do exactly what the Scripture said to pray about everything. Is there something we can pray about with you? There will be some men and women who will join me here in just a moment up here to receive you, to pray with you. What about your thought life? Is there anything that you would say today, man, I need to go home and rewire my brain to think about some things. I've been letting some stinking thinking in and I just need to overcome that with the Word of God. You've seen it on the bumper stickers and so I, I don't want to be coy, but can I just tell you this? Today, listen to me, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you, it is impossible for you to ever have true peace. The bumper sticker says it this way, K-N-O-W, no peace. How do you do that? You got to know Christ. But if it's N-O Christ, there'll be N-O peace. Can I tell you today that the Bible says that you and I, apart from Christ, are enemies with God. But that Jesus Christ came, he came to die upon a cross and was buried and raised again to make those who are enemies friends. To make those who are apart from him be in him. To have those who have sinned against him to be forgiven and to place into the eternal family of God. I pray that maybe today, if you're looking for true peace, you would come home to the Prince of Peace. Call out upon him and tell him of your sin and ask him to forgive you and place your faith in what he did upon a cross to save you. I'm going to pray a quick prayer and then we're going to sing and you come as the Lord leads you. Jesus, you are so majestic in all that you do and all that you are. There's just that one name today that I'm thinking about that you are the Prince of Peace. I ask you to come reign and rule in peace in this room. God, over those who be listening by way of radio or maybe at home on the internet looking today, I pray that your peace that passes all understanding would take over. I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing with us as we worship?